This segment is sponsored by BarbecueAuthority.com, Chicagoland's number one barbecue shop. Chicagoland's number one barbecue shop is Barbecue Authority in Lyle. Top brands, a large selection of rubs, sauces, grills, smokers, pizza, ovens, and outdoor kitchens. Veteran-owned Barbecue Authority is your authority on all things barbecue. Go to BBQAuthority.com. Now, wait a second. They're going to intentionally walk him. On one and two? Yep. What are you doing? When was the last time you saw somebody intentionally walked on one and two? Didn't happen often. (laughs) What are you doing? What are you doing? They're going to put Turner on intentionally here with a one and two count. They go lefty-lefty for Souza with Muncy. Even Freeman saying, wow, what did they say? Did it hit? Maybe they did. It's an intentional walk there. Yeah. Tony, what are you doing? I heard that. What do you think you're doing? Max Muncy. One for three and a big two-on double in the fifth. Two and two. Left field. Pollock is back at the track and the wall, and that's up and out of here. High fly ball the other way. Pollock's going back. It's gone! They put Trey Turner on intentionally with a one and two count, choosing to go Souza Muncy, and he makes some pay with an opposite field three run shot. I think I'm gonna cry. Make me a bicycle clown. What's up? What's going on? I'm Mark Grody in for Lawrence Holmes today on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Hope you are doing well. There's just so much going through my head during the intro. And I realize that one of my favorite things is, and I probably have been guilty of it in my career since I did baseball intensely for three years, doing pre and post for the Cubs, even doing some play-by-play myself and some analyzing of baseball that there's a funny tone that we speak in, that baseball announcers speak in when they are being critical of baseball players because of the the four-hour yarn of baseball. There's a pacing to it. You can't talk fast and loud and necessarily. So there's this very, eh, watching the game here, very enjoyable, very nice. And then the tone of, hmm, not really sure if, Tony should have done something like that in one and two counts. I'm not really sure if that's the right thing to do. So it is like this great benefit that baseball announcers have that nothing that they say really comes across as caustic or pointed. That is left up to to us, essentially, those of us who talk about sports and those of us who write about sports, the baseball announcer, just get to kind of point it out in a sing-songy sort of way where they're really not offending anybody, but they are definitely, it's definitely an all-pull-it, you know, 
all bullets, all points bulletin to let's get to this thing that's happening right here. However, we can, we're going to do it in a really nice way. It's going to be very, it's going to be a very organized fashion, but we will get people there and nobody's going to be mad at us for pointing it out. But we pointed it out wink, wink, go to work post game shows, go to week, go to work score, go to work if you are writing about it. And that's what everybody has done since yesterday. I, I will stand by what I was saying to Dan Bernstein about this. This does, as horrible as it feels, and it does feel horrible, everything that happened yesterday, it actually does move the White Sox a step closer to no longer having Tony La Russa as their manager. Does it mean that they're close to it? No. I would say that they're probably not close to it yet, but even though it doesn't seem like it, these things have to be noted. And I do believe that, of course, I do understand what everybody has said, and I've probably said some version of it as well. At this point, it's Tony LaRusso's game, and Jerry Reinsdorf does not want to in any way, shape, or form fire this man again, and he is here as long as he would like. One would have to suspect that Jerry Reinsdorf thought to himself logically at some point in time, he's not going to want to stay 10 years, right? So this wouldn't be something where I would have to step in and I will let him call his shots unless he does something, essentially unless he does something illegal while he's with the team or some sort of insubordination beyond baseball. Then he is staying here as the manager unless you know the White Sox get to like 30 games under 500 or something like that but there has to have been even when they had their behind the scenes conversations there had to have been in the mind of Jerry Reinsdorf and maybe even Antonio La Russa, there had to have been some sort of discussion about the end game how does this end Jerry Reinsdorf talking one-on-one to Tony La Russa, and this is just my version of it. I, I would love for you to manage the White Sox again when or if the time becomes right again. I would like to, to see that happen. And at some point in time during that conversation, they have to discuss how it would end. And there's Jerry Reinsdorf probably saying something like, I am not going to fire you again. That is not going to be on my watch again. I'm not going to have the rest of my life continue to be. I'm the guy that fired Hall of Fame manager Tony La Russa twice in my career. But there has to have been something beyond that where there, there's a couple agreements maybe like along the way. Like I said, the insubordination stuff is obvious, that part. But the the rest of it, there had to be, you know, Tony La Russa saying, you know, this is not something I, I want to do for more than three years. Maybe there is an exact amount of time that Tony La Russa said that he would do it for. Th- that is possible, or maybe I'm dreaming, or maybe there is. It's like, okay, you get a three-year window. After three years, then you either resign or you're out or whatever the case may be. So so that said, there's no way he would fire him in the window of it unless the errors continue to be egregious. I have a hard time believing that if these continue, and here we are with, as I described it, another tornado where everybody is again knocked down. Game is affected. There is destruction and anger in the fan base. And then you rebuild everything, and everything is good again. And then the Sox win two out of three, and maybe Tony La Russa actually does something that people like, like sticking up for Tim Anderson. 
And then a couple weeks later, you see the tornado warning, and then the tornado hits again and again. And how many tornadoes can the White Sox endure? That's the question before people in the White Sox organization are starting to look beyond their security. You know what I mean? Like, because it sounds like a lot of guys have a lot of security over there, but maybe look beyond it and say, hey, there's some integrity going on here. Something needs to be fixed. And if it's not fixed, then I don't want to be part of it. And I actually just want to be on record that it's something that I believe needs to be fixed. So if at the very least, at the very least, here, these are my exact succinct thoughts about what has gone on here with the White Sox, and I am now on record for it. Like some of those people eventually would have to to step up for their own integrity and for the integrity of the of the White Sox organization. There was a lot of humor in all of this yesterday as well. And I have had all this time to take it in. Yesterday I was sitting at home on my couch. It was I don't remember what time it was, sometime between one and the end of the White Sox game. And I didn't know I was hosting, actually. I had no idea. And I I received a call from Ryan Porth, who is the assistant program director here at The Score. And the call's going through. A lot of times we just just text. And um, so the call's going through. I was like, oh, this is something. This is something. Guess I got to pick this up. Something happened. Am I going to work now? Is this my last day? Something happened. So I, I pick up the phone, and he just said, without giving you the rest of the details, just said, hey, can you work Lawrence's show Friday and Monday? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I had just seen the the three-run homer hit in this game. And I'm watching you know, somewhat intently, but I'm doing other stuff around around the house. So I see the three-run homer hit by Max Muncie. And I'm talking to Ryan Porth, and he said, oh, did you see what uh, – and I thought he was going to ask about the, the Muncie homer. Did you see what uh, Tony Russo just did before that Muncie home run? He just uh, he just walked a guy with a one-two count. And I'm like, oh, boy. So I was like, well, looks like everybody's going to have a topic from this moment on. Tony! What are you doing? <laughs> For the next 24 hours. And – I I've been listening a lot, and there's been a lot of great audio. But that, and I've had to like go through it in my head, and I have evaluated all of the audio, and I have decided instead of bringing it all back to you, I, I, that was the best part right there. Ray, play again. This is the fan. What are you doing? That is the best piece of audio of all of it. The, this clearly picked up fan at the White Sox game. Having the knowledge, the thought base b- beyond what Tony Larusa was thinking or saying, and I just l- I need it again, Ray. I need one Tony! more. T- yeah. What are you doing? You switch the samples, Tony. Tony! What are you doing? What if you don't eat your meat? You don't get any pudding, Tony. 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 Jesse. Tony. You falsified your research, Tony. You knew what you were doing. Tony! You knew what was up. Tony! You've done it again. So that was my favorite piece of audio from from the entire thing. And there were, like I said, that was not easy 
for me to come up with that as the number one. But something ha- – because there's just so there's just so much great the, – the baseball tone we talked about earlier. Oh, really? They're doing that? Oh, okay. And just so much, so much goodness. But that is number one. Coming up next here on the Lawrence Holmes Show, we are going to talk to Paul Sullivan, columnist for the Chicago Tribune. Coincidentally, wrote an article about A.J. Pruszynski – before the game, before any of this stuff went down, and he was talking to AJ specifically or mostly about his desire or not to manage someday, and yeah, maybe the White Sox? So, yeah, this is a really good time to talk to Paul Sullivan, which we'll do next here. I'm Mark Grody at Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This is Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago's sports station. I'm still trying to figure out why Kopech wasn't in the game one hitter earlier. I know Rodon has owned Correa through his career. But you get Kopech up for that moment. You don't You don't wait until you're behind in the game. If, if, if I'm Tony La Russa, I have Kopech in that game to get that guy out. Right? Get Correa. Bases load to get Correa out. Now you bring him in, and now Gurriel's thinking, man, this is just gravy, right? If I get a hit here, we're up 4-1. We're thinking about Boston Red Sox possibly. I know it's early in the game, but... If it's me, I have a righty ready for that moment. You got to think ahead, 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 right? So, and they have a full bullpen. They have Kopech, they have Lynn, who's down there. They have Tapera. They have all these righties that are ready to go. That is the voice of AJ Przinsky during Game Four of the ALDS last year. A man, AJ Przinsky, a former White Sox player who has not been afraid to criticize managers in general and that does not leave out Tony La Russa whose criticism for is warranted by the masses and that is what has been happening mostly today based on a decision to intentionally walk a guy with a one-two count with a guy on second base and the next guy comes up lefty on lefty and of course hits a three-run homer. I thought it was interesting that before any of this happened, I was reading the Tribune online. I saw a piece by Paul Sullivan of the, the Chicago Tribune, obviously, and uh, and he had comments from A.J. Perzinski and just kind of he, – he was there. He was, he was at the ballpark because he's an ambassador, and Paul Sullivan just talking to him about what's going on with him, broadcasting, potentially – managing someday maybe with the White Sox you know who knows and so I just thought it was that was interesting in itself because I had actually heard AJ Pruszynski on the radio that day as well during the actual broadcast of the game and just enjoying his time like wanting to stay longer in the booth <laughs> with with Lennon DJ which I thought was interesting I'm like let's get Paulie on to to talk about AJ Pruszynski and what he learned from him Yesterday. So that said, Paul Sullivan, Chicago Tribune, joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What say you, Paul Sullivan? How are you, man? Oh, I couldn't be better, Groat. You know, <laughs> one of those days where you wake up and you're like, wow, this is really a good time to, to be a sports writer in Chicago. 
Yeah, or a sports talker in Chicago. We've all got it on a platter. Or a sports fan. Or a sports <laughs> fan. Yeah, some like it's part of the it's part of the package. Anger and angst is is part of the package and Paul, obviously you were I set it up that you were writing about AJ Przinsky and I, I do want to discuss him more but I, I do want to ask you just what are your thoughts first about what Tony Larusa did yesterday strategically, and the reaction to it by both Tony Larusa and everybody else. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's anyone that's defended him yet, so I, I don't. I'm not going to do that. Um, I don't think it's uh, you know it's a crazy move if. Uh, you know, before the if before the at bat you say, Okay, there's a guy in second, uh, I'm gonna intentionally walk him for Muncie, that you know, that makes sense. Uh, but the fact that he just, you know, got two strikes after the wild pitch, guy goes to second and then he decides to do it, uh, you know, that that had everyone scratching their heads, not just the writers, it was everyone in the stands and um basically everyone. I don't I don't know. I would like to find the person <laughs> defending it besides him. And then the post-game press conference just, um, I think, exacerbated the situation because he was so defensive and pretended like, you know, how how in the world can anyone question this when everyone in the world was questioning it? So just very bizarre. And, uh, you know, it's really just uh, another brick in the wall. I mean, you were talking <laughs> about that song. It was another brick in the wall. Yeah. Um, if you don't eat so your he, meat, you don't get any pudding. So if you can splice that guy saying uh, that about Tony into that song, uh-huh. I don't know whoever does your uh, oh. audio, but the, the opening there was brilliant, whoever did that. I'd, I'd, I'd <laughs> yeah. like to hear that again. Ray Diaz, so, ladies and gentlemen. Ray. Ray. What are you doing? You switch the samples! <laughs> I mean, that's going to live in history here. If that guy comes out and reveals himself, that, that would be hilarious. But uh, no, I, I'm just like everyone else, like you, just mystified and uh, enjoying it, enjoying the aftermath, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it's sad, but it's true that some of this is enjoyable. There is no doubt about it. Uh, all right, let, let's get on to AJ Przinsky, because and I do need to make clear to people that that Paul wrote this story or angled this story before anything happened with with Tony LaRussa in this game with the incident, the felony that occurred with Tony LaRussa. So I, I just want to make that clear as we talk about AJ Przinsky and potentially managing. Yeah. The, the, did you get the feeling that though AJ Przinsky is angling to someday be the next manager of the Chicago White Sox? Um, I mean, he's not uh, going out there looking for it, but uh, I definitely, if they, he said, if they Reinsdorf called him, he'd definitely listen. Um, I, I just happened to run into him at the park uh, near the, he was in the Dodgers dugout. Um, and uh, today he wanted to talk and we met up later and, uh, you know, he, he knew what I was, you know, the narrative was and mm-hmm. what I was going for. And okay. I knew that he had wanted to manage. We had, I did a story on him when he was a player about managing. So it's not like a new topic. Um, and you know, there's the sensitive nature of talking about a job that's not open, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, he, he, it wasn't like he said, Tony's leaving anytime soon. He knows, uh, the relationship with Ryan Sorf and Tony and 
that uh, he says, you know, he talks to Tony, he, you know, he says he's come to work with a smile. He loves his job. And, uh, but he, he was kind of saying that, you know, down the road, if, you know, Tony's not going to last forever, he's 77. So that's what he was going for. And I wrote my story and then, uh, posted it online. Like you said, I went down into stands and sat in the seats for the Dylan Cease meltdown and mm. people were getting pretty upset by then. And then I, by the time the, the stuff with Muncie happened, I was back in the press box. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. And then the, the post game was, uh, <laughs> was pretty good too. So, uh, you know, you can say what you want about Tony La Russa, but, uh, you know, no one's talking about the Cubs today. They're playing the Yankees. They're playing <laughs> this, Anthony Rizzo is playing against that's the right. Cubs in New York. Oh my God! And no one is talking about it because of Tony Larusa. So you got to give him credit for that. Is that a huge win for you? Like when you write that story, it's like you didn't do it intentionally, but it kind of works perfectly as a sidebar at that point. Like, hey, here's another guy that could be the Sox manager someday. <laughs> No, because the joke in the press box is that's just part of my like fifty part series on uh firing Tony LaRusa. Ah. Sox can't fire Tony LaRusa, who would be the next candidate if they could fire Tony LaRusa, you know, it's just I do write about Tony a lot because uh, I you know, he has a lot of interest in Chicago and people like reading about him. Uh the national anthem thing a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating, even though I, I didn't Totally agree with his thoughts, but uh, I I like the fact that he he feels uh, strong enough that he can you know say whatever he wants and yeah he's just an interesting baseball guy and and I'm not I don't really care whether you know he agrees with me or I agree with him it's just that he's an interesting guy to write about. The White Sox have had a, a history of hiring managers that probably no other teams would hire. And I, and I say that, and my example would be Robin Ventura. I don't think anybody else was interested in hiring Robin Ventura as a manager. Ozzie Guillen. I, I don't think anybody else was going to give Ozzie Guillen, quite frankly, a chance. At that raw moment, nobody was going to give him a chance. Probably well, the same. He wound up with Miami, so you can't say no one would uh, hire him. Uh, okay. That, yeah. That's true, but that's that's post-White Sox. So I'm, yeah, I'm saying yeah. at that time. But, but I yeah. guess, yeah, to your point, he eventually, yes was hired again. Tony La Russa is probably another example of that. I don't know that anybody else was going to hire Tony La Russa. So the question is, Would do you think other teams will be interested in hiring A.J. Pierzynski as a manager at some point in time, other than the White Sox? I don't know. That's that's a good question. I thought you were going to ask me if another team would hire La Russa after he left the Sox. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know the, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I know the answer to that. Well, that would be a really lousy be, question, Sully. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think AJ is would be good with any team, really, uh, personally. I, he knows baseball, and he's an interesting guy. I think he would be better with the White Sox because of uh, you know his relationship with the fans and um, he is a very well-loved person on the South side. Uh, and he gets along with Reinsdorf, which is obviously important. So uh, I don't know, maybe he wouldn't work anywhere else, but uh, I, you know, I've seen other guys go from the booth to the manager's office and uh, you know, David Ross wasn't getting anyone else <laughs> interested in him true. when he was hired by the Cubs. And uh, you know, would he work anywhere else? I don't know. Yeah. We we're definitely in an era 
for the last five years probably where it is truly a hand-selecting process going on where they target somebody, and a lot of times it's first-time managers or guys who you know have just finished playing that they become the rookie controllable man. Hey, you watch Yadier Molina, Sully. You know, you've covered him oh, for yeah. years. He's going to be a manager in his first year. I got my own conspiracy theory that he takes over as the Cardinals manager after this year. Uh, that wouldn't be surprising, or pool holes for that matter. Yeah, or both. Um, and, yeah. and you also look at the, the LaRusa thing with Reinsdorf. You know, they're very sensitive about that because, you know, they do have a general manager who built this team and did a great well, I mean, you can't say a great job because they haven't won anything yet, but did a very good job to this point. And, uh, you know, he didn't have a say in the manager. But the same thing happened in uh, Anaheim with uh, Artie Marino picking uh, Joe Madden. And, of course, that didn't work out. He, yeah. he eventually fired him last week. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of times owners have a lot more say in these things than uh, they let on. Have you heard from Madden at all or talked to him or maybe I missed something? Uh, yeah, yeah, just, uh, you know, hang in there. Uh, you know, one of those deals just by text. I haven't talked to him, but um, I, I'm not sure of all the circumstances there. It just seems like there had to be something else because, I mean, teams go through bad streaks in the season, but uh, they were still in a wild card race and, um, they were just a couple of weeks ago, they were like 10 games over and everyone was happy. So yeah, yeah. it just, that one uh, makes me wonder, but, uh, I'm sure he'll resurface somewhere down the road. Paulie, thanks for your time. Get back to in, enjoying the big story for the rest of the day. Okay. And, and I'm telling you, if you put that guy's voice with another brick in the wall <laughs> at the end of another, it would be. It would be a classic, a score classic. You and I have produced something today, I believe, Sully. Thank you very get, much. Get, get Ray on it. Ray, is, he is smiling. <laughs> He's got his thumbs up right now. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Radio. All right. All right. Paul, Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune. You like that, Ray? When people have suggestions for you? Oh, yeah. You like that? I like it. I like it. I bet that's a producer favorite. Hey, here's what your producer ought to do, all right? Tell your producer back there that he needs to do this. No, but I, I like, hey, Paulie was picking up on something that I was doing, the Pink Floyd. That, that is a deep cut for all you youngsters out there. Maybe this doesn't mean anything to you. But when I say, if you don't eat your meat, you don't get any pudding. You either know that line or you don't. Maybe at the end of the show I will reveal the actual meaning. But you either know it or you don't, or you can look it up. So I don't even have to talk about it. Tell you what, we need to take a break, and then we will continue discussing the felony that was committed on the South Side yesterday with the Chicago White Sox. We will talk to Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine next on the Lawrence Holmes Show. I'm Mark Grody filling in on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.